Okay, good morning. Uh, on uh, behalf of Pastor Dusty, thank you to the worship team. Isn't that cool that uh, he is out sick and, uh, and these guys never miss a beat? And uh, yeah, that's really neat. I have been around a lot of people this week who are sick, so to respect to you and your families, uh, I've been, been kind of hanging out in the back and then, uh, you know, came in to, to speak and then, and then I'll kind of bow out a little bit early. Just like I said, out of respect to you and your families, I feel completely healthy and fine. I just, uh, just want to be safe for you and your family. But um, I am pretty passionate about uh, the topic and the message and the text for today. So no props, nothing with me. Uh, just want to uh, preach a little bit and uh, hope that you will give me some grace. Uh, thank you for being here. And uh, those of you watching online, thank you uh, for tuning in. And give a little shout out to Pastor Dusty, uh, who's home watching online with you, as well as my family, who is at home watching online with you. And uh, y'all, y'all be sure and say hi to them on the uh, on the messaging there as you're online. Okay, you guys know that uh, the Bible is broken up into two sections. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is the record of God creating the world, choosing His people, promising that through them a Messiah, a Savior would come. When that Messiah comes, that is Jesus, and that begins uh, the New Testament. Today, I want to bring you something out of. Uh, the Old Testament that has principles for your life today. Uh, so we're going to get into that in 2 Kings chapter 9. Turn there with me if you have your Bible. Also, all of the scripture will be on the screen. Also, if you do not have a Bible, we have them here for you. We have free Bibles that we give away as you walk through the doors. You turn and go through these doors on your way out today to the left at our VIP station. There are Bibles that are for free. And uh, that is not a burden. That is something that is a joy for us to give to you. If you would like something nicer and leather-bound, if it makes you feel like it's a better word if it's in leather, uh, we have those on the bookshelf over by the restrooms. Uh, We have a price listed for uh, the Bibles and books, every book on there. I have read minus one. Dusty put that one on. And uh, he said, they got to read this. It's on my list to read one day. Uh, I'm not there yet. So uh, everything is listed. The price listed is what we paid for it. What do you pay for it? Whatever you want to. If you promise to read it, just take it. I don't care. Uh, But there's a box. Put money in there. We just want you to get closer to Jesus. That's the goal. So uh, commercial break over. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will speak into our lives today. Holy Spirit, we need you to speak into our hearts. Great truth today. And uh, let this resonate. And uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I don't normally title messages, uh, and we're not necessarily in a series today, uh, but I will title this message, uh, the title is Coming In Hot. Everybody say that, Coming In Hot, because I want you to talk to Satan later. You need to tell him I'm coming in hot. I can, sp- I can feel the Holy Spirit in this place already today. You are, you are in a fight and you can't wait for the bell to ring because you're getting your bell rung. All I want is to go set my stool in the corner because there's no way that I can win this fight. And I want you to know that your trainer will be your substitute. 
He will fight for you. You will win this fight, uh, but there's some things that you're going to have to do. There's some sacrifice that you're going to have to make, and you're going to have to come in hot. There are things that you need to do, things that are for no one else but you. And you will win, but you're going to have to come in hot. You know, in the Old Testament, we had some great kings. There was King Saul, who was, <laughs> I mean, he was, it was a decent king, but he did like to keep a spear at the dinner table and kill people. So, you know, he was a little suspect. Uh, and then... After Saul was David, and David was a fantastic king, and then Solomon was the wisest man to ever live, and, and, uh, but Solomon's son was not so great. And Solomon's son, upon his reign, he divided the nation of Israel. And so they went to Samaria in the north and Judah in the south, and we call them Israel and Judah. So if you're confused in the Old Testament as you read, just know that there are 12 tribes in Israel. Ten of them went north, two of them south. Now, that sounds like a major division, like one would be much larger, and it was, but the tribe of Judah was extremely large, okay? So uh, they broke up into two sections there. And, and the, in Judah, altogether there were 20 kings, and about eight of them were good, and the rest were evil. In Israel in the north, altogether there were 19 kings, and there was one who was good. There was only one who was good. And he still had his moments, okay? I'm actually going to prescribe this to you. I want you to go home and read 2 Kings chapter 9 in its entirety. There are some things that I will sort of skim over today because our classes stop at eight years old, and we've got some young people in here. And 2 Kings chapter 9 is a snippet graphic, okay? So uh, I will run through some things, but... Um, Here's, here's what you need to know coming into this. You had one king who was extremely evil, but next to his wife, he was the Pope. His wife's name is Jezebel. Maybe you've heard that name before. And Jezebel, you'll actually see the name Jezebel show back up in Revelation. She is the face of evil. And as much as you think you do, you do not work with her, okay? So... I, I, you, you hear that, all? she's just a Jezebel. Well, th that's, that's where this comes from. Uh, but uh, Jezebel was extremely, extremely evil. And Jezebel and Ahab deserved to die. And God was going to put them to death, but Ahab actually repented. Now, he didn't really stick with it, but God did honor his repentance, and he did not die. But God said that he would punish the house of Ahab, but he would honor Ahab's repentance, and so he is going to punish the house of Ahab. Meanwhile, uh, you have a prophet named Elijah and Elisha. They were best buddies, and their names were way too close for comfort. And uh, God tells Elijah, who then commissions Elisha, uh, that they are going to now take care of of the house of Ahab. Ahab is dead, his son is reigning, and Jezebel is still there. Now consider, and I don't know the ages of Jezebel, but consider that Jezebel could have been 20 or 30 years younger than Ahab. So, you know, in your mind, if you have her, well, her son is reigning, she's an old woman, probably not too old. So you have Ahab's son who is reigning, 
His name is Joram. Joram is the king. His mother, Jezebel, is kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes. She's extremely evil. Elisha is told by God to go and anoint another man king in place of Joram. Interstage right, a man named Jehu. Jehu is the man who God is going to anoint king in place of Joram. And Jehu is the only king in all of Israel out of 19 kings who is ever remotely a godly or good king. How did he do it? Well, maybe if we can figure that out, then we could break some of the things that have been generational in our family. And we could break some of the things that are norms in our community. Then we can break some of the traditions that we don't like about our family. Or maybe we could get rid of something that is just our own that we never thought we could get rid of. So how did Jehu do it? I'm glad you asked. Second Kings chapter 9. Elisha tells a young prophet, go in and find the commander, Jehu, and tell him, God anoints you king over Israel, pour oil over his head, and then skedaddle, run out of there. So the young man does it. Jehu walks out into the rest of the army, and they were like, hey, who's the, who's the, the guy that he was? That guy was lit, man, when he came in here. And you can imagine this prophet's like, I'm about to start a rebellion, you know. And he walked in, he's like, I need to speak to the commander. And he takes him into the back room, and Jehu comes back, and he's, they're like, wow, your, your hair is freshly oiled. What has happened? And he was like, ah, you know the type. And they said, you're lying. Tell us what happened. And Jehu said, he anointed me king. Boom, they blow the trumpets. They take off their outer garments and lay them on the steps. And they said, Jehu is king. And Jehu's like, I guess we're doing this. And so the first thing he does, I'm in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 14. Scripture's on the screen. Then Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, son of Nimshi, conspired against Joram. Okay, remember Joram. I know I'm giving you a lot of names right now. Joram is the current wicked king. Son of Ahab has to be taken out. Jehu is God's man to take out Joram. He was, a, he was one of, at least, the commanding uh, uh, officers in Joram's army. He's been anointed king, and everyone has said, okay, Jehu, you are now king, and now Joram conspires. I know that sounds simple, but what is happening here is Jehu has a task to do. He's been anointed by God to do it, and he gets a posse, and he gets a plan. Okay? First things first, Jehu is anointed by God. I'm super nervous about preaching this message because I think that you may take something that is not from God and say, I'm going to do it. I'm coming in hot. You have to know that you are in the will of God. If you say, hey, I need to do this, and today this inspires you to go home and be unloving or disrespectful to your spouse, if it inspires you to get an un unlawful divorce, if this inspires you to go be mean or rude to someone, you are not in the will of God. We have the word of God. You know how we're supposed to live. Jesus tells us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If whatever you're thinking contradicts that, it ain't from God. So the first thing is we have to be in the will of God. Jehu knows 
the Lord has done this. The prophet has told me this. He has anointed me. And all the guys are like, yeah, let's do it. Which means they're not super in love with the king that they have. All right? So everybody's together. And it says that he conspires. That means he goes to his friends, the people that he trusts, and he makes a plan. Now, you got some things, you got some people, you got some activities in your life that you need to get rid of, and until today, your plan to get rid of that is, well, I'll just do better. And that is not a plan. That's like saying, I got to go on a diet. What are you going to do? I'm just going to eat less. Well, you've been saying that for 35 years and it hasn't worked yet. That's not a plan. There are lots of different plans that could work. All of these stupid infomercials that you see, most of them, except for the ones that are like, I mean, you know, we tried FinFin, see how that worked. But, you know, most of them, if there's some sort of principles in them, will probably work if you would just install it into your life. If you will take this and say it's a plan. So people come up and they're like, hey, 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 here's this diet or whatever. And it's like, hey, listen, I don't think that's the best one. But if you'll do it, right, it'll probably work. Well, Pastor, I've got to, I've got to kick, uh, I've got to kick addiction. Do you, do you recommend celebrate freedom? Do you recommend the vine on Tuesday nights? Is it better to go to AA? Is it, dude? What will you actually do? Right? I want to get better about reading my Bible. Do I install the Bible app, or, or do I just set my Bible on top of my Xbox, like you've talked about before? What, what will you actually do? Okay, do that plan. Because just to say. Well, what is your plan? Well, I'm just going to get closer to God. That's not a plan. That's a goal. Well, I'm just going to eat less. That's a goal. That's not a plan. Failing to plan is planning to fail. I know that's cliche, but man, it's good. Failing to plan is planning to fail. If you've got some things that you need to do better or different in your life, but you have no plan to do them, guess what you're not going to do? <laughs> it. You're not going to get there. Saying I'll do better isn't a plan. Okay, so Jehu has a posse. They get together. They conspire. And then he jumps in the chariot, and things get lit from there. Here we go. 2 Kings 9, 16 through 21. Stay with me. I don't think you'll have a problem with that. This is pretty interesting. Jehu got into his chariot and went to Jezreel since Joram was laid up there, and King Ahaziah of Judah had gone down to visit Joram. He's got to go get Joram. Joram's in Jezreel. He's going to Jezreel. Now the watchman was standing on the tower in Jezreel. He saw Jehu's mob approaching and shouted, uh, I see a mob. Joram responded, choose a rider and send him to meet them and have him ask, do you come in peace? Now before we go on with the scripture, I think this is interesting. The watchman on the wall who's protecting the king, by the way, another king was there too. I'm not going to get into that. You're going to have to read that part on your own. I don't have a lot of time. Uh, but there's a watchman on the wall, and he goes, hey, guys, um, there's a mob. That's an interesting choice of words, isn't it? People approach. Someone's coming. You would think that's what they would say, but no, he says, there's a mob. See, Jehu is coming in hot. And everybody in Jezreel understands, I don't know who's coming, but their intentions aren't good. Because they're coming in hot. I can tell from a distance 
that they are angry with how things are going. And so what do they do? They send out someone to make negotiations. They begin to tremble just by the way Jehu is approaching. Church, I hope that you will be so angry for what Satan has done to you, for what Satan has done in you, that you will leave this place and you will be coming in so hot that they have to start sending delegates. He's mad. <laughs> Send out somebody to make a no negotiations. She is ticked. She's coming for us. I don't think there's anything that can satisfy whatever anger is driving this approach. I want Satan to tremble. You know, the Bible says that the gates of hell will not overcome you. Do you know what that means? We have this idea that that a gate means that we're on defense. No, the gates of hell won't overcome you. You're not riding in on your horse swinging a gate. Gate is Satan's defense. His gates won't overcome you because you have to storm ranger and go get your friends who are behind the gates of hell. You are the warrior. This is your sword. In the armor of God, the one thing we have listed as an offensive weapon is this. Why do you think Satan wants you not to understand it? Why do you think Satan wants you to be too busy, too distracted to get this? Because this is the only thing that can harm him. Everything else you have, helmet, breastplate, sandals, knee pads, I don't care what you have, it is all for defense. This is your offense, and Satan cannot overcome it. So when you come in hot, swinging your sword, they begin to tremble. I don't know if the gates can handle this kind of attack. Send out somebody for negotiations. You're going to have to get pretty serious. You're going to have to get pretty angry. And if you would just give yourself your own testimony, I think that you could work up the anger if we'll begin to see through spiritual eyes what has happened and now it has happened, I believe that you will begin to work up the anger. Verse 18, so a horseman went to meet Jehu and said, this is what the king asked. And you know he's being kind of pompous, right? But he's kind of like having a, he's going when he has to like keep up with them, you know, because it's like they're not stopping. And he says, this is what the king, excuse me, sir, this is, it looks like a Bugs Bunny thing, you know, where he's running beside him in the little male hat. And, and he's like, this is what the king asked. Do you come in peace? We're starting to make negotiations now. Jehu replied, what do you have to do with peace? Fall in behind me. <laughs> now, now we cut back to the guy on the watchtower. The watchman reported, the messenger has reached him, but hasn't started back. <laughs> you know the king is going, hey, what's going down there? Uh, our messenger just joined their army, I think. <laughs> Whatever's happening down there, he was like, I have been on the wrong side. I repent. I am sorry. I'm with you now. Interesting. Do you understand that 
when you grab your sword and you run into battle, you carry such a strong weapon and you have such a strong advocate that Satan is very afraid of that. He's afraid that you will be coming in hot. He'll be afraid that you're coming to take what is yours, that God has anointed you to take. And so he will begin to make negotiations. And so he will look to his messengers and he will say, Porn, go ask if they come in peace. See if you can make some negotiations. Ex-husband, go ask. See what you can do. See what trouble, see what chaos, see if you can knock them off of course. See if you can make them feel deflated. See if you can make them feel like they can't win. See if you can buy them off. Job, go. See if you can make negotiations. And what Jehu does, that if he doesn't do, we have no good kings in all of Israel. He refuses to negotiate because he is on a mission from God. And there is no negotiation to be made. There is no reason to hear you out because there is nothing that you can offer that could stand up against what God has called me to do. I cannot be purchased. I cannot be bought off. I cannot be distracted. I have been told that the house of Ahab has to be annihilated. So I'm not making negotiations I'm not presenting any other terms. Satan will negotiate with you all day. He will send in his best. And, and, and here's the thing about his negotiations. He knows you. We have this idea that, that Satan comes in and offers us a billion trillion dollars. And no, I'm not going to sell my soul. He doesn't work that way. Why? Because he doesn't have to. We're way cheaper than that. You're one text message, email, cut off in traffic away from getting distracted on your journey. We're way cheaper. Jehu stops for nothing. And the people riding with him know that they're not stopping for anything. And the messengers coming to negotiate know that they're not stopping for anything. And the friends or family or the other people who stand in your way know that you're not stopping for anything. Or when Satan sends somebody to say, you were a lot more fun when you were drinking. I don't want to give a show of hands, but I guarantee you about a third of you would raise your hand. Somebody has told you that. Somebody has told you, you were a lot better when you were doing this. Oh boy, before you started going to church. Oh, and it's just another messenger from the wall because you're coming in hot and he's saying, go get them. Go see if they come in peace. See if we can make negotiations because if he really comes in hot like this, there's no way we can stand against it. And so they come and somebody's trying to get in your head. Somebody trying to play you like a fiddle. And they've got to know, out of love, love covers a multitude of sins. If this is not done in love, then you're wrong. But out of love, they've got to know, I'm not stopping for negotiations. You're either with me or you're in my way. People that I love, you've got to step aside. I'm on a mission from God. In love, in love. They've got to know, I'm coming in hot. And I'm not stopping. Verse 19, so he sent out a second horseman who went to them and said, this is what the king asked, do you come in peace? Jehu answered, what do you have to do with peace? Fall in behind me. And the watchman re 
and the, and, and the watchman reported, he reached them, but hasn't started back. Also, also, I love this, the driving is like that of Jehu, son of Nimshi. He drives like a madman. Now some of y'all can relate. See, this is interesting because they already knew Jehu. Jehu was a commander of the armies, and obviously Jehu is known for how he rides in. Jehu's kind of known for coming in hot. Jehu is known for, hey, by the time we get there, our horses are pretty well done. We're not giving anybody time to make preparations. We're not giving anybody time to shut the doors. We're coming in hot. We're going to smoke this thing, and we're going to go eat that Christmas turkey. This is how Jehu acts, and this is the interesting thing. Maybe some of you have always just been a little bit different and geared a little different. Do you not understand that God said you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works prepared in advance for you to do? There's a reason that you're the kind of nuts you are because we're all a little bit nuts, a little weird. Can I get an amen, somebody? Okay. Okay, if I got your phone right now and started playing music and just, just hit shuffle, that is playing Russian roulette with your social life, and you know it. Like, there's some weird stuff on there, man, because I'm just a little different than everybody else. You got some things that are different. You got some interests that are different. You got a personality that is different, and it's necessary. There's a reason you are the way that you are. There's a reason that Jehu was the way that he is. The problem was if he does it for his personal gain, he's perverting the gift from God that God set him with to take out the house of Ahab. That was never a gift for Jehu. That was always a gift for God. It was just the role that he gave Jehu to do. You struggle with anger? Okay, let's fight sex trafficking instead of traffic. Right? Man, you're super compassionate. Do you know how much benevolent love this city needs? I'm all for, man, we, we, can, we can get, I'm not even going to go there. There's a lot of things that the world wants you to pour your compassion into that has nothing to do with loving people. Love people with that. What are you gifted with? What are, you, what are you going for? What has God given you? Use it for him. There's a reason that you are the way that you are. Some of you are already bold. Be bold for Jesus instead of bold for yourself. That's a perversion of your gift. They said, it looks like the driving of Jehu. And now Jehu's using what he already had. He says, the driving of a madman. Do you understand that the only king in Israel that was ever good is described as a madman? You're a madman? All right. How can you be a madman for Jesus? Verse 21, get the chariot ready, Joram shouted, and they got it ready. Then King Joram of Israel and King Ahaziah of Judah set out, each in his own chariot, and met Jehu at the plot of land of Naboth the Jezreelite. When Joram saw Jehu, he asked, do you come in peace, Jehu? He answered, what peace can there be as long as there is so much prostitution and sorcery from your mother, Jezebel? No negotiations. He called it sin. He didn't come in. To, well, he kind of did come in talking bad about his mama, but... Uh, <laughs> 
He, he didn't come in talking about his personal interest. You gave me a swirly in high school and look who's got the army now. This is what the Lord says. The house of Ahab was doing these things and it's got to go. No negotiations to be made. And then Jehu does something very graphic. And let's just say King Joram is no more. Let's skip down to verse 30 for all the kids in the house. Because Jehu's not done. See, Jehu had to do that first. He had conspired. He had made a plan. The first thing he had to do was take care of King Joram. Gets a little tricky from there because he takes care of some other things too. And according to some other passages, I'm not sure if it was right or wrong. I don't know. So I will just go down to verse 30. When Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard about it. I love this. So she painted her eyes. First of all, you realize that means she put on makeup, right? Okay. I love that. She painted her eyes. Nobody ever says that. I'm putting on, you know, mascara or whatever. Just call it what it is. You've painted your eyes. I just think that's neat. Dusty's little boy was sick this week, and he came up to Dusty, and he said, my neck hurts. <laughs> my neck hurts. He said, do you mean your, mean your throat? No, my neck on the inside, it hurts. I just love, call it what it is. Your neck hurts. No, that's not what gets me about this part. She painted her eyes. It says, so she painted her eyes, fixed her hair, and looked down from the window. <laughs> Jehu's coming. He just took care of her son. She knows what he's there to do. So does she run? Does she gather guards? What is her first defense? Makeup. Now, I am not at all speaking about women today. This is symbolism of something else. Because Jehu will show up in, in Revelation. This is wickedness. And Jehu is going to take out wickedness. But what will wickedness do? Wickedness will look as beautiful as it can look. Temptation will be as tempting as it could be. I had a friend come up to me in college, and this is, before, uh, this is before our phones could do everything lightning fast, and so it was just easier to have a subscription. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, he said, man, I'm struggling. I am struggling. Uh, I, I just, I've recently developed a, a pornography addiction, and I need you to hold me accountable. Man, I'll hold you accountable. So we were having these Thursday night services, so the next Thursday he showed up, and I said, brother, how's it going? And he was like, pale white man. I'm so mad. He said, I am so mad. He said, I set out to rid myself of something. And do you know that this week, I got the wrong Playboy magazine in my mailbox two times. Different addresses. Somebody's name and address was completely wrong. I have no clue who they are, not even a close address. I've never gotten one of those sent to the wrong address ever in my life, and I got two this week. Why? Because he was coming in hot, and Jezebel put on her makeup. 
Some of you have been to jail. And that's where you cleaned up. What happened the day you got out? Jezebel put on her makeup. You have said, I'm going to get this out of my life. I'm going to take care of this once and for all. Because the source of all of these problems, whether it was King Ahab or King Joram, the source was Jezebel. She was in her very nature evil. She has to be taken care of. She has to be taken out. She has to be done away with. Why can no one do that? Because she's pretty. If temptation weren't tempting, it wouldn't be a temptation. So what is it? Doesn't matter. As long as it destroys you or distracts you, either is fine. As Jehu entered the city gate, she said, do you come in peace, Zimri, killer of your master? I think this is funny because she can't hide her true nature. Now, she's going to look beautiful, but she's going to run that mouth. Isn't that funny that she would, that she would take the time to paint herself beautiful, but then her nature shows up as soon as he gets there, and she begins to curse him. He looked up toward the window and said, who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked down at him. Okay, now, I need, to, I need you to understand. I'm not going to go into what a eunuch means, uh, and also I don't want you to Google it. Just ask your neighbor. Um, but let's, so in the old days, a queen or a princess was to protect a bloodline, and so the men who took care of her could not foul that bloodline. And so eunuchs would be created and sent to minister to the princess or queen or whoever, and they were unable to foul that bloodline. So this is why they are with her, because they are servants of hers. Okay? He looked up toward the window and said, who's on my side who? Two or three eunuchs looked down at him, and he said, throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood splattered on the wall and the horses, and Jehu rode over her. In verse 34, you can't make this up, then he went in, ate and drank, and said, take care of the cursed woman and bury her, since she's a king's daughter. But when they went out to bury her, they did not find anything but the skull, the feet, and the hands. Do you know why? Because God had told the house of Ahab that Jezebel would pay for what she had done and that dogs would eat her flesh. And so when he went in to have a sandwich after a little bit of murder, And I'm skipping the bad parts, okay? They come out and there's nothing left of her, just as the Lord said would happen. Verse 36, so they went back and told him, and he said, this fulfills the word, the, the Lord's word that he spoke through his servant Elijah the Tishbite. In the plot of land at Jezreel, the dogs will eat Jezebel's flesh. Jezebel's corpse will be like manure on the surface of the ground and the plot of land Je uh, at Jezreel so that no one will be able to say this is Jezebel. And finally, Jezebel is gone. Now, it wasn't just Jezebel, and this has nothing to do with women, by the way. This has everything to do with sin and temptation. But finally, Jezebel is gone, and finally, Israel will have a godly king for the first time. Was he completely godly? No. <laughs> no. Jehu is actually a very fascinating read because we, we find him uh, later in ancient key uniform and, and things like that, which is just further proof that this was written when we say it was written. But 
What would have happened had Jehu made negotiations with Joram? Had Jehu stopped to make negotiations with Jezebel? What would have happened? You think there would have ever been a godly king in all of Israel? Church, I can't emphasize enough that Satan will paint his eyes and fix his hair and try to distract you. He will send messengers to negotiate. He will make threats. He will hurt your feelings. He will come after your children. He knows no limits. And instead of being distracted, I hope that that can be all the more reason why you put it in your heart that you've got to kick out Jezebel. Worship team, I want you to go ahead and come up. One thing that's interesting is Jehu didn't actually kill Jezebel, did he? The eunuchs killed Jezebel. The very, fe- the very people that were with her day in and day out who daydreamed, obviously. I mean, they were like, he said, who's on my side? And they poke out like, hey, what do you need? <laughs> they're like, throw her down. And bro, I mean, they're grabbing those feet and going. <laughs> do you understand that when you come in as a strong warrior of the Lord, you will embolden others? People who lack the uh, fortitude before will be emboldened because you're coming in hot. You will find that Satan will oppose you, but you will find that God will give you help. That is why a church is so important. Because Jehu needed a posse to ride with him. Jehu needed people who supported him. And so he, he had it. There are some things that you think, I hope that I can go to heaven because God knows I will never get rid of blah. Let's just call it what it is. It's Jezebel. God knows I'll never get rid of Jezebel. God knows I'll never get rid of these things. God knows that this can never leave my life. Actually, the Lord has prophesied that Jezebel would be cast out. And if you will come in hot, making no negotiations, in the will of the Father, in the will of the Father, without that, dude, God will not bless, okay, what he doesn't prescribe. But if you will come in hot in the will of the Father, he will cast out Jezebel. You will have the help when you need the help, but you cannot make negotiations. Do you understand the intensity that Jehu was in, the duress that he was under? But here's what he knew. Israel cannot prosper as long as this wickedness reigns. So what did Jehu have to save? A whole nation. Let me ask you. I can tell you in advance that if you go to cast out Jezebel, you will face opposition and it will not be fun at least for a season. But what do you have to save? Let me tell you. Your soul, your children. Come on, somebody. Your family, your career, maybe, your marriage. 
How about this? Your joy, your sanity. You have got to cast out Jezebel because as soon as you get close, you can't overcome her. She paints her eyes. She sends out a messenger. And I failed and I failed and I failed and I failed so many times. You haven't come in hot enough. You haven't come in swinging the word of God and saying, you better get out of my way because I am going to godliness. And there is no negotiations. I've had a little bit of money. I've had no money. Not a whole lot of difference in that. I've had a lot of friends and I've had a few friends. Not, not, not that much difference in that. But I've had God and I've had no God. And it's all the difference in the world. And there's nothing that can stand in the way of me needing the Father. Me needing the hope of salvation and my eternity and that of my family. And for that, Jezebel, you've got to go whatever it costs. Jehu did what 18 other kings couldn't do. And you can too. I want to pray for you. And I don't really know how to close today and I don't know what to tell you to do. And I don't think I'm supposed to. If it's from the Lord, you will have the confirmation from the Word of God and you will have the conviction from the Holy Spirit. So I'm not here to tell you what to do. I just want to encourage you that God will be with you. Lord, I pray for your people, for your servants, Lord, that they will come in hot. They will run hard after you. God, I pray for everyone who does not have the willpower or self-control to overcome Jezebel, which is every breathing soul in this building, that you would strengthen us, Father. Lord, just like Jehu showed up, and just by the words that Jezebel said, he knew her nature and her heart despite what she looked like, despite anything that she had to offer, would you show us that so that we're not distracted? God, you said that you had people in this city that you love. And now that I've met them, I totally get it. Although I could never love like you do. And Lord, you have, you have completely different narrative to write. You have completely different endings. For these stories and what Satan has. We want your ending. We want your story. We want you to write the next chapter, Father. God, I know that there will be times of turmoil as they go after the things that separate them from you, Lord. But I pray you will bless them in those times and just like you gave your Apostle Paul uh, the ability to, to be content in any and every situation. And, and that you would strengthen him to do all things through you, Lord. I pray that you will strengthen your people, that you will give them great contentment, that you will give them great joy, that you will give them great uh, conviction, Father, for the things that are from you. Let us see Satan for who he is. Let us see Jezebel for who she is. And let us see you for who you are, Father. And we ask these things in the holy name, name of Jesus. Amen. The worship team is going to play and uh, baskets are going to come
come up. And so part of the way that we worship is with tithe and offering. But also, you have that connection card. Would you please let us know what's going on with you? We would love to pray for you, pray with you. Drop that in the basket. But better yet, there is uh, there's a prayer team. Prayer team, why don't you all go ahead and come up. You'll see the Ask Me button on anyone in the front. That means that they're on the prayer team, and they would love to pray with you, to pray for you. Uh, this is not a gossip chain. If, if it were, these people would not be invited uh, to be up here. Uh, so they want to pray with you. So um, please, please uh, do that. And again, forgive. I would love to visit with all of you. I, you just make my day when you show up. I will kind of bow out a little bit early today just, just because I've been around a lot of sick folks this week. But uh, we have a team who would love to be with you, love to pray with you. So uh, please take us up on that. Please stand and worship.